church is different, isn't it? Isn't this different? Y'all like the different? You know, uh, the kingdom of God is expanding and God is doing some fresh things. Uh, and so I've been talking about, started talking about it a couple of weeks ago. We do have movements of the Holy Spirit in our services. So unlike the church I was raised in where we sang three hymns from a, a, a songbook and then uh, deacon so-and-so prayed and then the pastor uh, spoke a homily for 20 minutes, it's a little bit different. So if that's different, how many know it's okay? So I uh, just want to encourage you, uh, we do uh, want to flow with the Holy Spirit. We're born-again, Spirit-filled believers, so we have spiritual gifts manifested at times. Today, uh, when I spoke out uh, earlier, that was actually the gift of prophecy, which means inspired utterance. You find that in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. So I have a feeling that God is wanting to stir up the gifts of God in his people. How many hear me? There are nine spiritual gifts. You should expect God to use you once you leave the doors of this building. This is like a filling station. This is like a place to, to get charged up so you can go out and uh, minister life to other people, right? So that's what the Lord wants to do. Um, God's doing some fresh things in the body of Christ. And uh, on my podcast, I changed my podcast uh, the way we do them instead of twice a week. It's once a week, but a good bit longer. So be aware there's a new one coming out tomorrow. And in that podcast, I mentioned something uh, that I heard in 2009. I was in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and um, uh, there was a, a guy speaking, and he talked about the fact that Jesus has spoken to him about a, a huge uh, differentiation, I guess you could call it a split in the church of Jesus over the next number of years. And this was in, he said the Lord spoke to him 2006 or seven about it, and he said there would be, there would be seeker-sensitive churches that would rise up and, and just do things to, you know, to draw people and make it comfortable, yada, yada. And that definitely happened. And then he said there would be uh, churches that preach the word, follow the moving of the Holy Spirit. And they, those churches, listen, when I came to Jesus in the mid-70s, those kinds of churches were really strong. How many are old enough to remember that? Maybe you shouldn't raise your hand, but you can. <laughs> so 70s, 80s, 90s, and then that began to kind of wane and, and take a back seat. The front seat became the seeker-sensitive, which there's nothing wrong with loving people and understanding where they are and we can adapt some of those principles but we literally threw the baby out with the bathwater. how many hear me and i feel and sense the spirit of jesus talking to us to let him back in the church and let the holy spirit manifest in a fresh way we're living in some really weird times some twisted times some unusual times and we don't know what's ahead of us and for us to face the pressures that life brings how many know we need the presence of jesus in a full way so so why not go ahead and give give come on lift your hand up. Come on now. Lord, minister life. So why, why don't we just give God everything we got instead of just half, give him full? That's what I think. So you're going to see more services like we had this morning. You know, this is, you can't, you can't make spontaneity happen. You can't make the presence of God come. He just comes where he's welcome. Is that true? So I don't know about you. Live in a way that you welcome the presence of God in your life. You can do that by, number one, being honest with yourself and then being honest with God. And maybe being honest with yourself in front of God. How about that? And talking to him and asking him to help you and minister life to you. And uh, those of you that prayed with me this morning and made Jesus Lord, we've got some real help materials here for you. Encourage you at the end of the meeting, we'll have a time for people to come up for prayer. Come up and uh, we've got some materials for you. If you don't have a Bible, we have one. We do encourage you to, you know, come to our services if you prayed with me and you're in the meeting. Or if you prayed online and uh, you're watching this video either today or sometime in the future, you know, our heart is for you to grow in God and, and be effective as a, as a person who, whom Jesus loves and died for. And, you know, God wants you to minister life to others, and he wants you to grow spiritually. So we've got lots of information on our, our website, victorychurchraleigh.com. But I encourage you, if you're not in Raleigh, find a church in your area, plug in, and submit yourself to the leadership there, and let, let Jesus teach you and minister life to you. Is that okay? And if you're here, come up and let us minister to you at the close of the meeting. There also is a connect card, or there's a card in the seat pocket in front of you where you can say, I decided to follow Jesus today. If you'll just fill that out and drop it in the black boxes on the way out, or bring it down front and give it to somebody, we'd just love to follow up and follow through with you and just help you grow. Is that okay? And so, again, the, the moving of the Holy Spirit is becoming stronger. I can, how many can sense it? 
And so last year, actually, it was March the 19th, we had two services for 19 years here. And uh, that went well until COVID, and then COVID s- seemed to change everything. The Lord began to deal with me, oh my goodness, jeez, uh, I don't know how long it's been, year and a half plus ago, probably maybe two years ago, and I didn't want to listen to him about going to one service on Sunday mornings, and you know, part of that, honestly, it's probably my ego, because we had two services for so long, and I could tell my pastor friends, yeah, we got two services. Well, you know, bump two services, you know. I just want God more than I want two services. So I couldn't figure out why he kept telling me to do that. And I said, well, you know, if we're, we're gaining ground, why would we want to do that? And I kept, he kept talking to me. But here's what I, now, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You look back and see what happened. We have, we have had manifestations of the presence of God since we went to two services that have been stronger than I've ever seen. Did you hear me? Uh, Amazingly so, uh, on a repetitive basis. And it's only because we give God time. If you just want to give God a little bit, he'll give you a little bit. But you know what? If you open your heart and say, God, I want you, I want more, then you know what? You got to make time for more. Is that true? And so uh, we've been doing that, and it's been really good. So we'll probably go to two services at some point when we fill up the seats in here, and we'll put more chairs down and all that. And, and, but it won't, be, uh, it won't be in a way that it cramps what we do. We'll still have services like we do, just do at a different time of the day, probably in the afternoon sometime or whatever. Is that okay? Said all that, the kingdom of God is growing. The kingdom of God is expanding. We started, can I just talk a little bit today? I got all kinds of notes here. And my notes, you can find them on our website, and I may or may not follow them. I'm just, uh, I'm listening. I'm just kind of hanging out right now, just listening to which way he wants me to go. But listen, uh, uh, we've been praying. We started praying November of 2022 and asking God uh, to move again in the United States and worldwide. We are in a, a, a calamitous time. You could use lots of adjectives to describe today. Everybody wonders what's up. Nothing is normal. Everything's abnormal, it feels. But, you know, Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But what's happening is there is a clash of kingdoms, and the kingdom of darkness is seeking to rise. Satan got kicked out of heaven through his pride kicked out with at least a third of the angels most bible scholars believe and think we don't really know how many just a lot and they fell and and so uh, satan somehow has this uncanny idea that he can do a better job of controlling the universe than god and how stupid can you be and you know pride goes before destruction so he's gonna hit he's gonna hit it one now he's not gonna hit dirt he's gonna hit flame one day Huh? So he just needs to be aware. But uh, the kingdom of Satan, uh, the, the dark kingdom, uh, is, is really seeking the last, uh, the last hurrah he's got. He's going to try to uh, create a, a global government, and um, a one-world government, and uh, global governance. They use all kinds of terminologies today to rule all the nations. That's the reason, again, let me just say, this is not political, it's spiritual you got to see what's happening. This is happening all over the world. They're, they're, they're trying to remove the borders of nations, amalgamate people from all over the world into the same place, the same locale, regardless of what continent you're on or what country you live in. And they want to do away with the history of that nation to amalgamate everybody into one so that there are no laws, no rules, no history, so they can kind of start over with a reset. Did you hear what I just said? It's Marxism, it's communism, and it's demonic, and it's the spirit of Antichrist. How many hear me? So that's what we're dealing with, and it's really strong right now. So again, uh, at the same time, the kingdom of God is expanding. And if you'll pray and seek the Lord while he may be found, like Isaiah said, you know, there, there is an anointing and there's a presence of Jesus that wants to whisk you out of the depression of the age and set your feet to dancing. How many hear me? And God wants you to be a, an example for him wherever you are. Archie, it's good to see you again, bro. Say, hey, Archie. Hey, Archie. Glory, he broke his hip in a, in a motorcycle accident in November. First time he'd been back to church. I won't make you get up and dance, but we're glad to have you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Anyway, God's doing some fresh things in the body of Christ, and he's just put it on my heart. Um, uh, 
in December, like the third week of December, I was in my office. And, you know, God usually gives me a word for the year. And the word for this year is foundations. Take care of the foundations of life, the fundamental things. For me, there's certain things that I do every day to be mentally astute, to be emotionally normal. There are things that I do to keep the relationships in my life, to keep them on keel and, and keep them good and strong. How many hear me? There are things I do to keep myself spiritually strong. There are things I do physically. There are certain things. I don't eat just what I want. I eat what I need. Right? And I do think I'm just that way because, you know, those principles will, they'll sneak up on you as you get older. And, and your habits will tell on you when you get older. Yes or no? All of your habits will. So I'm, uh, years ago, said, you know what? I'm going to live today. The, I'm going to put in my today what I want tomorrow to be. So what you want tomorrow to be, what you doing today to make that happen. So I, I live, I really live a purposeful life. And if you know anything about me, I do. I watch my time. I watch how I do what I do, who I associate. I do everything with purpose in mind. The purpose is I want God's best in my tomorrow, so I give him my best today, right? Uh, there are Now, today I want to talk about the church. I've, uh, the Lord's put it on my heart to talk about the local church. The local church took a wallop with COVID. And with the shutdowns, we were shut down about two and a half months, and I said, enough of that. And uh, we, along with a lot of other churches, uh, we actually opened up uh, Pentecost Sunday in 2020, the last Sunday in May that year. And, uh, and we hadn't been, and I will never shut down again. But see, it, it changed the mindset, particularly in America, of the importance of local church uh, meetings where people actually get together and that was replaced with an idea that what you got online that will suffice that is not true my friend so we have an online presence and uh, you know you can find all of our videos and all that online i got blogs podcasts church services and all that online and but that should never be a replacement for your your body being in a in a meeting with other people because you and, and listen let me tell you why the devil's done this the reason he's done that is there did you sense the presence of Jesus this morning if you didn't i think you're dead <laughs> or you were preoccupied with other things but he was here, and you know, but see, uh, there's something about uh, a group of people getting together who know and love Jesus. There is a, a heightening of the sense of the presence of God when you do that. How many hear me? In fact, when they were in one accord in one place, all the first six chapters of the book of Acts, tremendous things happened. The Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, and then, and then ministry happened because they were in one accord in one place. They were in one accord, for instance, in Acts 5 on Solomon's porch it's not my message but and on and on and on in acts 5 and acts 4 they were praying together and the building literally shook there's power when we get together and the enemy doesn't want believers to get together with other believers because there's a sense of the presence of god that is undeniable and that is tremendously infected effective and infective in setting people free how many hear what i'm saying and it creates a zone in a community, again, I've said this before, but, you know, we've got 12 churches in Ethiopia, uh, six in the mountainous area, six in a very rustic area where they still wear animal skins and have no running water or electricity and live in thatch-roofed huts. But we actually literally erect a church building there. Why? Because Jesus isn't in the building, he's in the people. But when the community sees the building... When the community sees the church building that the church meets in, they say, what is that? And they ask questions, and it's a physical representation of the invisible kingdom of God in, the, in that particular place where we build the building. How many understand that? So, you know, uh, the history, let's just talk a little bit here. It's not in my notes, but, you know, the history of, uh, of church buildings probably uh, second, uh, begin late first, second century, third century. You know, uh, the, the church met with people meeting in homes, and we've got a large home church movement worldwide now, which, you know, as long as there's a God-called anointed pastor doing that, it's okay. The problem is, is, the, if, is, is if there are no ministry offices there. That is, the, the pastor, teacher, apostle, prophet. You hear me? 
So, so that can be a real problem. But again, the church started in homes, but you know, the church became so large they had to have places to meet that could accommodate the people. And so that's the, that's the origin in history of, of buildings where the church met. This building is just an edifice. It could be used for spiritual or carnal purposes. Is that true? You're the church of the Lord Jesus. Is that true? So again, God put his stamp, Jesus put his stamp of approval on the church. There are two institutions in human culture, regardless of where you are in the world, that God has put his stamp of approval on. The first one is marriage, right? Marriage approved God's way between a male man and a female woman. A male who has the male apparatus and a female who has the female apparatus. Now, you got to be messed up in the head to call yourself what you ain't got. I just don't know what to say. And it's a mental kink to do so. But see, that's the twisted demonic world that we live in today, right? So if God has approved marriage between a, 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 a male man, you know, and a female woman... And the sexuality that goes with that institution. Should I participate in honoring that institution? See, sexuality has to do with, and sex has to do, I mean, this is just 101 stuff here. It has to do with a man and woman in marriage. It does not have to do with single people. Single people, God's way, should not be having sex. Huh? So if I'm honoring God's ideal and estimation of marriage and sexuality, should I be having sex outside of marriage? Should I be having sex with somebody that's like me? No. No. If I'm honoring marriage and sexuality the way God created it, should I do it his way and not mine? So if I do it my way that is not his, what am I saying to God? I'm saying I don't need you. I can do life the way I want to. And that, my friend, is the spirit of Antichrist. Huh? Now, the spirit of Antichrist is hoodwinking their children. He's, he's, getting, into the, he's getting into the school systems. And I beg you, if you have uh, children and or grandchildren in the uh, local school system, public, you need to know what they're doing with your kids. I have nine grandchildren, and not one of them are going to be in the public school. Now, I know everybody can't afford private school, but you know, you, if, and, and not everybody's cut out to homeschool. I get it. Susan and I, for 21 years, paid for uh, private education for all four of our children. Did it cost us a lot? A stinking lot. It was often more than the mortgage on my house during those years. But was it worth it? A thousand percent yes. Did you, because of what's happening now. And I've heard so many people uh, say the same thing. Get your kids out of that stuff. That thing is twisted. The public educational system is twisted. And it's, and it's designed to move your kids away from God. It's designed to make your girls a boy and your boys a girl. And it's designed to get them to test anything that has been normal in human society for generations of time. And it's got the spirit of Antichrist on it and it needs to change. Well, that went over real big. And the only thing that's going to change it is you. If we don't stand up, it'll keep going that direction. Yes or no? So we've been praying about all this. But again, if you've got children there, you need to do something about it. Secondly, the church. God has put his stamp of approval on the church. So again, there is a shaking in the kingdom of God. And God's shaking everything that can be shaken in his kingdom and outside of his kingdom. And uh, church life is is being shaken today and, and the, the whys and why do we have churches all in question today. Question, if Jesus honors the church and honors the ideology of the church getting together, should I be involved in it? Huh? So if I'm not involved in it, what's that saying about me? That's, uh, that's saying I'm doing what I want to do and I don't care what God, or I'm not paying attention to what God says. It's quiet here. Hebrews 10 is clear. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together 
as is the manner of some. But so much the more as you see the day. What day? The day of Jesus' return approaching, right? So we, we ought to be getting together not less but more. Is that true? So right, we have Wednesday nights, sir. We've never stopped our Wednesday nights here. I encourage you to bring your children. We have a great children's ministry program. We have great youth ministry. And we preach and we'll stay here an hour and go home. But uh, I encourage you to come because we need, we need the Lord. We need the word. We need the presence of God. And we need the encouragement. You know, when I first came to the Lord in 1976, you know, when I sinned, I sinned. I was just serious about sinning. And then when I gave up sin, I said, you know what? I don't want to sin anymore. I want to walk with God. And I got serious about walking with God. But walking back into the cesspool of darkness where I worked and the culture that I was in, even back in the mid-70s, you know what? By midweek, I just, I was thinking, you know, I need to get together with my family. Not my natural family. I need my spiritual family. I need this, the influence of that because everything else was trying to encroach back on my life. Yes or no? So I was excited about going back to a, a meeting of believers midweek. We need to get back to that in the church of Jesus. How many hear what I'm saying? Anyway, there's a shaking in the kingdom of God. And uh, there's something about the church that God is seeking to foment, foster. I know in our prayer meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you're invited at noon. We're praying for the nation our nation, we're praying for another awakening. We've had two in our past. We need another one right now. It's going to take more than a political leader to bring this nation back from the absolute edge of disaster. Did you hear what I'm saying? And it's going to take us coming back to God in repentance. So I encourage you, pray. Pray on your own. Uh, get in groups and pray. Come and pray with us. Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon, we're praying and believing God for revival all over the world. We just don't pray for us. We pray for the world. We pray for churches. We pray for the church. We pray for pastors and church leaders, and we pray for the church at large. We want God to do something big. Now is the time to stand up, and now is the time to gain together. How many hear me? Jesus said this uh, to Peter. I mentioned this two weeks ago, Matthew 16, 18. He said, uh, you're Peter upon this rock. Peter means... Means a, means a little rock, and out of, uh, out of Peter's mouth came a, a Petra, a great big boulder, upon this rock that came out of your mouth, Peter. And he was saying, Peter, when you make me your Lord, when you confess that I am Messiah, I am the Son of God, and you let me rule your life, that is a foundation for life. And he said, upon this rock, this confession of me as your Lord and Savior, I'll build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And then verse Verse 19, he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And I love this. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. This is New Living Translation. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I think King James says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth. Well, I want to loose the presence of God, don't you? And I bind demonic forces every chance I get. They get in my way, I tell them to get out of the way. If they're on somebody, I tell them to come out in Jesus' name. How many hear me? And you have that same authority. What is Jesus saying there? The church of the Lord Jesus worldwide, whatever locale, whatever community, whatever city, whatever country you're, you're in, the church of Jesus represents the kingdom of God on the earth right now. Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed uh, among all peoples and all people groups. And then the end will come. The kingdom of God is represented by me and you. And the kingdom of God is represented by strong local churches. And it's the will of God that the church at large, the church of Jesus, meet together locally. Why? Because we create a powerhouse for God. And we create a power of the kingdom of God in that, in that community when we get together. And demon spirits hate you getting with other believers. They hate you worshiping. They hate you praying. They hate you praising. They hate you speaking the word of God. They hate you loving your neighbor as yourself they hate it because it brings freedom but the more we get together the more we stay in one accord the more the power of God will erupt so right now and I've mentioned this I think I mentioned it uh, oh I don't know Wednesday night a few nights ago but uh, 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 there is a divisiveness that's come in our nation and see Satan if he can't conquer he'll try to divide so he can conquer 
And that's happening in our nation right now politically. It's ha happening uh, just across the board. And there's a been a big move the past number of years to racially segregate us uh, again. But I don't think that's going to work. Do you? Uh, you know, I think we get along better all the races we have. We used to have over 20 races represented here at Victory Church. I think we get along better now than we ever have. And I think it's a tool of the enemy to try to, try to bring a wedge and divide the races. And I don't think we ought to buy what he's selling, do you? I'm not going to pay attention to it. How about you? There should be a unity in the kingdom of God, a unity in the family of God. And in that unity, there is a power. The only, listen, the only people on earth that have authority over the devil is you. Have you ever thought about that? In fact, Ephesians 6, 12, and 13 amplified uh, New Testament, for we're not wrestling against flesh and blood contending only with physical opponents, but against despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness and the heavenly supernatural sphere. Then he says, therefore put on God's complete armor that you'll be able to resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger and having done all the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place. See, th see the church of Jesus worldwide in every nation, every country, we have seven continents and I don't know, the number of nations change it seems from, from year to year. Uh, but there's 200-something nations worldwide. But uh, nonetheless, in every nation on every continent, the kingdom of God is enforced by the local church. And see, God, Jesus' plan is to have strong local churches. And Jesus wants his people involved in strong local churches. How many hear me? Because the local church in every locale, the local church in every community, that is the power of God. And that's the representation of the kingdom of God. And the, more, the stronger the local church is, the weaker the kingdom of darkness is in a locale. How many hear me? And if you're a part of Jesus' body worldwide, if you're a part of a local church, you ought to be exerting your influence in every way that you can. You ought to involve yourself. If your kids, you think about putting your kids in public school, which I say don't do it unless you're willing to put your body there and hear what they're talking about. And then get into teacher's face and say, you won't be teaching my child that. That won't be coming in my house. You can give them a F, a G, a F, a C, a W, a, a, w, a Z. I don't care. They're not going to be taught that I'll pull them out your school and you just gotta you just you know if they gonna be bold how many know we, we need to be bold we've got light you know what I found out about light all you got to do is have a little tiny light it'll light up a whole room huh it just takes one light to curse the darkness and if we do nothing the darkness stays we're stronger than darkness mm. I wanted to say, put that in your pipe and smoke it, but don't have a pipe and don't smoke. <laughs> Isaiah 60, arise, shine, your light has come, the glory of the Lord's risen upon you. Darkness covers the earth, deep darkness, gross darkness, the people, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. It seems like we're living in that day right now for the fulfillment of that. How many hear me? So you got to ask yourself, am I, am, I, am, I, am I representing the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God in my sphere of influence? You are a representation of the kingdom of God where you work, in the office where you work, with the institution where you work. You're a representation of the kingdom of God in, in the community where you live. Huh? You're a representation of the kingdom of God, as I mentioned, in your school system. You're a representation. You're a walking representation of Jesus. You are light in the middle of dark. 440, everybody's being cuckoo. And you should be driving normal because you represent the kingdom of God, right? So what's the role? I'm going to talk a little bit today, the last few minutes I got left. What's the role of a pastor in a local church? What do you think, about a, what do you think a pastor's role is in church? Shepherd. Who said that? Shepherd. You know, it's a big teaching, uh, Old and New Testament. Uh, uh, the shepherd, how many know a shepherd was a big deal in Israel? And we don't think about sheep and shepherds because we all, you know, we all live, you know, in the suburbs or in the city. And most of us uh, don't have farms and animals. And so we're separated from that world. But, you know, if you've traveled any, I've done, traveled extensively, you know, in Africa and India, but... Excuse me, particularly in Africa, I mean, animals are everywhere. And, you know, so in, in Bible days, the, the shepherd, 
The shepherd was revered as a, <coughs> excuse me, as a ragged, selfless uh, individual who was uh, streetwise and deeply cared for animals. That was a shepherd. Uh, you couldn't pin anything past a shepherd. A she shepherd could, could smell the enemy, so to speak, a mile away. A shepherd was astute with his rod and with his staff. If his sheep got out of, got, uh, out of the herd and, and were about to go down a, a big ravine, he could grab them with a hook on his shepherd's rod, right? Uh, uh, he was able to throw a rock and hit a hare, you know, a long distance away. Just that way, if his sheep were going the wrong direction, he could actually get his, he could get his apparatus and throw a rock and hit it right in front of where that sheep was to keep him from going the wrong direction. The shepherd, shepherd, see, shepherd loves his sheep. A shepherd uh, in Bible days also had a had a really unusual way of um, of talking to his sheep. It was uh, actually a non-human, animalistic type sound he made. I, I I don't know what it sounded like, but I can make some up. But I won't today. But it was like a sing-song mixture of animal noises that only his particular sheep in his fold understood. And so they all, he also had a, a sheep with a bell on it right in his, amidst all of, all of the sheep. And usually they had a community of sheep that were from different people's homes. People had to go out and work in the fields. They had to go do their business regardless of what they were doing. And somebody had to take care of their animals. The animals would come home at night. But during the day, the shepherd would take the, the, the sheep from, from a whole community. And they would come under a shepherd's care, and he would take them out into the field so they could get water and they could get food. And so he had a way of tempering those animals, and it was his voice. He, had, he learned a certain sing-song language that only the sheep under his care knew. And if they were going to a new field and they had to go up a, you know, go up a little embankment and uh, it was a little bit out of the way, maybe a little bit testy, uh, he would lead the way and he would, first of all, do his little sing-song stuff and all the sheep would honk and they would make a certain little noise when they heard that, those sounds. And then he would uh, take the sheep with the bell and take it with him and he would go up in the new field and then he would start making that little sing-song noise, weird sounds, animal sounds. And all the sheep, because they know the shepherd's voice, they look around and they couldn't see the shepherd or the little sheep with the bell on it because it was with him. And he would do something and make the sheep with the bell on it move. And then he would make those sing-song sounds and all of the sheep would come up the embankment right to the field where he was. This is an amazing story. If you go back and read the history of shepherds, shepherds love sheep. Now, it's really amazing to me that the kings in the Old Testament in Israel called shepherd kings. Why? Because shepherds love the animals, and a shepherd king would love his people. See, David was a shepherd king. You had others who were hoodlums, and we've got presidents today who are hoodlums. In very, I didn't say anything. In various nations. But if a leader's not looking out for the best of his people, you can call him whatever, you know, you need to be respectful. I'd be respectful and say, you're a hoodlum. <laughs> you're not a shepherd. Maybe I need to look up the definition of that word before I use it so much. But a local church pastor is called a shepherd because we, we serve the great shepherd. I just have a question, and I didn't know how this was going to come out today. I was praying, and I kept having the, the word sheep and shepherd come up. And I said, God, I don't know what to do with that. It's not in my notes. And here we are. I'm talking about it. I just have a question for me and you. Do you have the attitude of a sheep? That is, are you willing to be led don't answer that question so quickly. I said this the other day. Americans don't like anybody to tell them what to do. Is that true? We're just really independent people. We don't lead well. Right? We're supposed to follow a leader. Right? 
But you know, we have individual rights. And you know, in America, as long as the system's working like it should, then we're free to be and do as we want and go about it and do as we please. But when the system doesn't work well, well, it tries to put its scheme and onus on you and force you to uh, conform to a certain standard that may not be you, right? But in the kingdom of God, can I be real? You're not going to do well in the kingdom of God with an independent attitude. And there's the problem in America with church. you got a church on every corner and all kinds of flavors, right? And here's the problem in America. There's almost no discipline in the church. Why? Because if you don't like what that person right there is saying, you can get your tail out and go somewhere else and hear what you want to hear. It's an ear-tickling age, isn't it? So church discipline's been out of the window for a long, long time in America, and it's showing. The cultural problems we're having is because the church has been dysfunctional. We got one, one person said that. What do you think? If we'd have been doing our job, we would hold our culture to account. And see, we would affect everything about our culture, but we'd have no voice hardly now. Because we do what we want to do. Every man does what's right in his own eyes. That's the judge's way. The book of Judges ended with that sentence. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Wow. And that's America. So what are we doing? So a healthy, a healthy body of believers in a healthy church, the people have to have the stance of a sheep. This is weird to say. It's probably, I don't know how to say it any other way. A sheep is not one of the smartest animals in the pasture. If it's raining, somebody's got to hit him, get out the rain, boy. If he's hungry, somebody's got to say, go over there, there's some food. If he's thirsty, somebody's got to say, go over here, there's some water. You know, if it's a thunderstorm and it's lightning, come over here, there's shelter. Get out from under the tree, go over here in this building, right? Or go in this cave, Right? A sheep, he just does, he's, he's not good at making choices on his own. He needs, to be, he needs to listen to the shepherd. And see, for us as believers, if today, if you do life on your own, you're going to have trouble. If you're not willing to submit to the chief shepherd, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble in your family. You're going to have trouble in your personal life. You're going to be challenged on every hand, right? It's true. So I've got to be, see, I've got to be willing to be a sheep in his pasture. I've got to be willing to follow his voice. I've got to be willing to be quiet until he says speak. And I've got to be willing to be still until he says walk. And I've got to be willing to say turn when he says turn, right? So you need to ask yourself questions too. Am I willing to do that, right? Right? So anyway, shepherd, sheep. That, that's really big uh, today, and we need to pay attention to it. Uh, I've got this sentence in my, or this paragraph in my, um, it's really uh, yeah, a couple of sentences in my notes. A healthy church maintains a healthy balance of preaching the word, allowing the Holy Spirit to manifest himself with spiritual gifts and with the tangible presence of God. These create an environment for relationships, and then, then together a church reaches out the community. How many hear what I'm saying? Churches need to allow the Holy Spirit to manifest today. So I encourage you, if you're uh, visiting with a friend and this is not your local church, make sure you attend a church where the Holy Spirit can manifest. It's really important today. We need the presence of Jesus in a firm, solid way in our lives. Yes or no? We need more than just religion. So let me also say this. A healthy believer, and see we're off on this a bit in America today. A healthy believer, um, uh, there's an order to the importance of things in your life. A healthy believer puts the Word of God first place in his life, her life, right? A healthy believer puts the Holy Spirit second place, not first place. A healthy believer puts experiences and feelings last, if you get that out of order, you're going to have trouble, right? In our culture, we've gotten that out of order. Right now in the church, if you can have a Holy Ghost blowout meeting, woo, 
you can get a big old crowd online. You get lots of clicks. You can get a big following on YouTube and Facebook. And if you have a meeting somewhere, everybody and their cat will show up. The question is, what is more important? The moving of the Holy Spirit or the power of the Word of God? So if you're listening or going after anything that puts the Holy Spirit movement above the Word of God, it's going to get into trouble. Because you don't even know the Holy Spirit apart from the Word. I love Jesus. He calls it like it is. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And that's not just honesty. It's the Spirit of the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit's whole ambition is to make Jesus real. And then Jesus is called the living word. You can't get away from the word. So the more as a believer I get into the word, the more I attract the Holy Spirit. And the more he manifests himself in me. The less I get into the Word of God, the less the Holy Spirit manifests in me. The more a church gets involved with the Word of God and the pastor will preach the Word, the stronger the Spirit of God will get. But you got to be careful. We love the feeling. We love the emotion. I love what happened today, don't you? I like to dance with everybody else. I like to shout with everybody else. I like to sweat with everybody else. And there's a place for that. It was wonderful today, wasn't it? But if I put that and the manifestation of that above the word, I'm going to mess up at some point. And that's where deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils come in. And that's what we need to steer clear of today in the body of Christ. How many hear what I'm saying? So if you're looking at stuff online, fine. If you're watching YouTube stuff, fine. You're going to meetings, fine. But just keep your spiritual antennas up. The moment any person or entity puts feeling, emotion, and Holy Spirit above the word, man, you better watch out. I was, raised, I was raised spiritually part of my early life in Tulsa with Kenneth Hagin. I love that man. I just can't wait to get to heaven to hug him again. Because uh, he blessed my life. I read his books in the, in the mid-70s, listened to most all of his cassette tapes I could get my hands on. And I just did, and I still, I, mean, I still listen to him, and he really blessed my life. But w one thing that, that he showed, uh, not only by precept but example, was in the meetings. I would frequent his meetings. You've heard me say these things, but I would frequent his meetings when I lived in Tulsa. I was on staff at a church there. When I was able, I would just go to his meetings because the Holy Spirit would manifest, and that was always appealing to all of us. But, but I just appreciated the balance in his life. And I'm, you know, I think I've shared this before. I think was, I've got these weird dates. It was November 2nd, 1985. That was a Saturday. And, um, and you know, I was, I was free. I could go. I just came back from an out-of-town meeting, and, and I was there. Susan, uh, we had at the time, 85, we had one child. So I said, Susan, I'm, I'm going to go see Brother Hagin tonight. I got there. And while Brother Hagin's talking, now he would do this. He would do his hands like this, and he would twiddle his thumbs while he's teaching. It's real strange. He'd just walk back and forth like this and teaching, you know. And then, and then, so he's walking back and forth and he put his hands down. And then, well, looky, looky, I just found me a dime. <laughs> we'll put that in the offering plate. If y'all lost your dime, it's right there. But uh, he put his hands down to his side. And, um, and suddenly, he, I'm no kidding, he started going, uh, yeah, uh-huh. I know you said that, uh-huh. And then he said this, uh he looked at us and said, y'all see him? We said, uh -uh. I was sitting in the crowd. And he said, well, well, Jesus is right. I see him right here. He's invisible manifestation. When he said that, I mean, y'all, the whole crowd got real quiet, including me. And, and there was a presence that came in the room that is uh, undefinable. I don't know how to say it. And he just, and then he started talking in tongues saying, well, Lord, I don't want them to hear what I'm saying to you. So he just tore out pray, talking in to Jesus. And then he would answer and say, uh-huh, I know you said that. Yep, yep, yep. And then, y'all, I don't know how to describe All of a sudden, nobody asked each other to do it. Everybody in the whole room, it's probably 2,000 people in the room at the time. And I remember where I was sitting. I was sitting right over here. And when he, I don't know, he just kept talking. And suddenly, the atmosphere changed. And I looked around, and I found myself getting up off my chair and, and getting down on my knees, and I looked around, and everybody else doing the same thing. And y'all, it's like 
You couldn't not pray. It's like you had to pray. There was a holiness. There was a presence. And y'all, it was riveting. I don't know how to describe that. But what I appreciated the next night, oh, y'all. Everybody told their friends, Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin at the meeting. <laughs> you better come. Jesus is going to appear again tonight. And what I appreciated about Brother Hagin was, listen, I'm making a point. We, and they wouldn't even open the doors until an hour before service. And you got hundreds and hundreds of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I want to say a thousand, but I, I don't want to exaggerate. Hundreds and hundreds. I know standing at the doors outside, and sometimes the, the Oklahoma wind will blow right through you. It's so cold, and it'd be cold outside, and they'd just sit there and shiver and just wait, shallow, and pray in tongues. Shallow, blah, blah, blah. And uh, open the door, and everybody come in. And boy, there you got a person that can play the piano in a riveting way. And they had an Oriental lady. I mean, she could play that, make that thing. It sounded like the drums. It sounded like the synthesizer. It sounded like the piano. It was a piano. It sounded like the, I mean, it was crazy. And everybody's excited. The whole uh, room is just chirping with excitement. The praise and worship was boisterous. And then Brother Hagin would get up there and say, open your Bible, please. And he would just teach a Bible lesson, no manifestation, no manifestation of the Holy Ghost, just preach the word. And everybody's sitting there, dang gummit. <laughs> now they didn't say it, but you could feel it. It's like, why ain't you performing tonight? This ain't a performance. And I didn't realize that you teach by precept and example. He was teaching us by example. Don't follow manifestations. Follow the Holy Spirit. Now, we got a whole generation today following manifestations. If you're not careful, you'll get off. How many hear me? So, a healthy church, you put the word first. You put the Holy Spirit second. I put the word first. In my, I don't put the Holy Spirit first in my life. I put the whole word of God first. I don't even know the Holy Spirit without the word. I don't know when he's talking to me without the word. If, if you listen in to voices, you know, they, they, they give people some medication that hear voices. Huh? This paranoid schizophrenic person hears voices and sees things. Right? No, that's demons. No. No, the only way you can hear the voice of God is be attuned to the Word of God. Now, let me give you a key. The Holy Spirit won't even talk to you if you're not going to do the Word. If you're going to lay your Bible aside, read it, and not do it, he just leave you alone. Until you get on your face and say, God, in repentance I come. Forgive me for who I am and what I've done and what I've said. I want to be a doer of your word. When you do that, the Holy Spirit says, now we can talk. Otherwise, he'll be quiet. And if something's talking to you and you're not doing the word, that is suspect, my friend. I had a lady. Now, i got to get I'm watching the clock. Everybody okay? I'm watching. I had a lady, this was 1993, four, no, it's actually 1994 is the year I came here. Uh, she sat in my office, and I discerned a demon spirit. Now, she was a church member, 32 years of age. She was married to a 72-year-old man. I, I won't even go there. Just leave that right there. Okay. And she sat in front of me, and I got to make a long story short, but I discerned a devil in her, a demon spirit. Can a Christian have a demon? Well, a, a demon spirit can be attached to their thinking processes, but not in their spirit. You hear me? And I kept, you know, I, you know I, I've never seen into the spirit realm, but I, deserve, I know when I'm dealing with something. And I knew right then, boy, that's, that's something tough right here. And then, and then she said this, and this is kind of unmasked it completely. She said to me, well, she said, she said, the Lord's been speaking to me ever since I was born. I said, really, tell me about that. And she told me her mama, you know, was a Native American. And her mama, you know, anyway, she told me that later. Bottom line, she said, all my life I had these voices speak to me. She said, now you know what they tell me? I said, tell me what they tell you. She said, if I'm speeding, that voice will say, you need to slow down, cops around the corner. The moment she said that, I said, that is not the Holy Spirit. He wouldn't tell you not to speed because the cops around the corner. He would say, what you doing speeding to start with? That's the demon spirit. Bottom line, they ended up casting the devil out of her, and he came out. 
And it's a big story, and I don't have time to tell it. I just don't have, actually, a voice, a man's voice spoke out of her when I commanded it to come out. She was also involved in drugs. She sold crack. Okay, you smoking pot? You got some reefer going on? Listen, I walk in my neighborhood. I smell pot every time I go down my neighborhood. I got a two-mile loop. I smell pot certain places. I know the house right there, they're smoking weed right there. The neighbor come out and I said, you know, people across the street, I said, you know, somebody around here smoking weed? He said, oh, I thought that was a skunk. I said, no, that's weed. <laughs> Otherwise known as marijuana. Cannabis sativa, if you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're doing that, listen to me, if you're, if you're, if you're abusing over-the-counter medications or if you're abusing subscription medications, or if you're abusing alcohol, you're allowing demons in your life. In fact, Galatians 5, the works of the flesh. Witchcraft is one of the works of the flesh. The Greek word is where we get our English word pharmacy, pharmakia. Because witchcraft is often, you know, in, in cultures, in antiquity, you know, the Native Americans smoked a peace pipe. What do you think was in that peace pipe? It was something to sedate the central nervous system. And then other cultures do the same thing. They ingest certain, they got a loco weed in Africa they, they eat. We had one of our drivers, he was eating loco, chewing on loco weed, driving my SUV. We like to kick his tail. Said, son. And we wouldn't let him drive. Now, what do drugs do? They sedate the nervous system. You act in ways you wouldn't act. You say things you wouldn't say and do things you wouldn't do, right? Think things you wouldn't think when you're under the influence of that stuff, right? Most really violent, violent crimes, somebody's under the influence of something. Do you hear me? So why does all that go together? Demon spirits. And now we have an inundation in America of demon spirits inhabiting people's bodies. And Jesus wants you to set them free. How many hear me? So again, the Holy Spirit, let's get back to it. I'm not going to get to finish what I started. Did y'all get what I'm saying? In a local church, the Holy Spirit will lead the pastor to preach the word really strong. And in your own life, if you'll be a person of the Word of God, you'll also become, if you let him, a person of the Holy Spirit. You know, I started jogging in 1983 in earnest, and I've never stopped exercising since 1983. And, um, and I remember when I was getting my body in shape and I would hit the wall, I was doing five miles. And I'd get about two and a half miles into it, and I was still getting myself in shape. And what I learned to do is I'd go through my little track one mile around the woods, and I would meditate on the word while I was uh, jogging, just meditate on scripture. I always keep a scripture in the head. I still do it now. When I'm, I have idle mental time, I'm usually meditating on the scripture. I got it, woke up last night and meditated on some scripture. Isaiah 53, 1 through 6. Until I went back to sleep. But I did that, and I noticed uh, while I was jogging, one day I was jogging, just minding my own business, and I hit the wall, so to speak. That is, I got tired physically. felt like I was just going to fall out. I'm getting in shape, you know, and I, I got winded. And, 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 and suddenly as I was meditating on Scripture, something came on me, and it reminded me of Elijah outrunning Jezebel's chariot. And I started running. And I started running hard. I said, whoa. And the Spirit of God came on me. And you know what it taught me as a young boy? It taught me that if you'll, if you'll pay attention to the Word, the Holy Spirit will come on your life. And I've sought to abide by that principle. So you don't put the Holy Spirit first. Put the Word first in your life, right? If you follow anybody, you can listen to who you want to. Just make sure they're following the Word, number one. I love manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Again, I like what happened this morning. I like what happened last week. We don't, I don't like to plan. I like to plan, but you know what? I love for him to do what he does. We need the Holy Spirit, but put it in order. The Word first, the Spirit second, experience or feeling last. Everybody say it. The Word first, the Spirit second, experience or feeling last. Now, you know, this is dated, and you know, it's a little bit whatever. But I've heard this for years. I heard this way back in the early 80s. 
Uh, in fact, Kenneth Hagin said it and others. All words you dry up. All spirit you blow up. But a mixture of the word and spirit you grow up. Right? So I don't want to dry up. I don't want to blow up. But I want to grow. Don't you? And so in the local church, it's going to be the pro- pastor's primary responsibility to preach the word. And that's what I do. Now, I've got lots of scriptures listed here. There's, uh, I'm, I'm going to skip a whole lot of stuff here. And I just want to say four um, ways that a pastor should preach the word. I'm going to stop with this. And we'll come back next week and see what I do with this. There are four things that if I'm pastoring the way I should be, that should be happening. Now, let me tell you a phenomenon. I've been here 30 years this year. And I don't know how many people have come up to me over the years and said, you're different. Now, you can take that all kinds of ways. And I usually say, oh, yeah? How? So, and then they say that your preaching's different. And I say, what do you mean by that? And they'll say something to the tune of, wow, you're challenging. And then I'll say something like, am I supposed to be? Way back when the seeker-sensitive stuff was raging, we were in the other building. Y'all okay? I had a person come up to me. It's actually one of my employees at the time. Shut the door. Sat down in my office. I said, let me just tell you, Pastor. I said, tell me, what is it? Talk. If you want to get a big old crowd. Now, my goal is not to get a big old crowd. Crowds get you in trouble. Unless they're spirit-anointed crowds. Right? And, and bigger ain't best unless God's in it. You better know that today. Huh? You got 12 spies, two were right, 10 were wrong. Figure it out. And so he said to me, he said, if you want to big, get, big, get a big crowd, you got to change what you're preaching. I said, wait just a minute. Something's in my ear. Say that again. He said... If you want a big crowd, you got to change what you're preaching. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, what you're preaching, it's not going to draw a big crowd. And so he expanded on it a little bit. Then I said, for me to do what you said, here's what it means. I've got to take my spiritual heart out, cut it out, and throw it down and get me a new one. Because when I'm preaching, I live. And it comes from my heart. And for me to preach something different, I got to be somebody different. And I ain't. So I guess I'm not pushing a big crowd. And I'm not now. Four things. Y'all ready? Y'all give me just a couple of minutes here. Everybody okay? Because, I mean, these services are nuts to me. (laughs) Listen, here we are, and I'll, I'll shore this up next week. A pastor should preach at least four things. All scriptures given by inspiration of God, 2 Timothy 3.16. And it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. Everybody say doctrine. Everybody say reproof. Everybody say correction. Everybody say instruction. Now that's four things that I'm responsible before God to minister to you. Number one is doctrine. Doctrine literally means teaching. It's in the notes. Doctrine is where I preach the word, line upon line, precept upon precept. Isaiah said it in Isaiah 28, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. You just keep, keep pushing, keep shoveling the word. If I'll keep putting the word on a spoon and shoving it in your spiritual mouth, eventually you're going to start eating it. When all all four of my kids were babies, we taught them how to eat baby food. I'd say, open your mouth. And I put that baby food, you know, spoon in the mouth. First thing they did, and it's all over the place. It's all over the bib, all over the spoon, all over their chin. And finally, I'd have to help them to shut their mouth. Finally, that child would, would take that food, right? And I'd do the same thing. Doctrine. Got to teach the word. Secondly, the second thing I'm responsible for is reproof. Everybody say reproof. It could be translated conviction or it means speaking the word of God in such a way that it internalizes a conviction in the person's listening. That if they're not doing it, they feel like they need to be. So let me just, if you're watching online or you go to another church and you're in here, listen, if you're in a ministry and it never makes you feel uncomfortable, there is a problem. 
Because if the man or woman of God doing what they're supposed to do, that word's going to bring reproof. It's going to bring conviction. The best books in my library I've read dozens and dozens of times because that guy hit it hard. There's a double-edged sword. It's the sword of the Spirit. It divides us under soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. And if it's not doing that, it's not the pure, unadulterated word. So if you don't feel challenged here, you need to go where you will find chat be challenged. And if you're going somewhere where you're not challenged, you need to make a change. Because we need the word, we need doctrine, teaching, we need reproof, and then correction. Everybody say correction. Correction actually, the the Greek word means uh, restored to an upright state or manner. So here's a person who's hearing the word and then reproof comes and that reproof just lays them down on the ground. (laughs) And and then the next one here, which is correction, it pays to come in picks them up, say, instead of doing that, do this. Instead of thinking that, think this. Instead of acting this way, act this way. Instead of that motive, have this motive. It brings them up. It corrects them, right? If I'm not being corrected by the spiritual leader that's overseeing my life, that spiritual leader's not doing his job. You hear me? I, I read very few books that don't challenge me. I like to be challenged. Because I can get off. How about you? So reproof, doctrine, reproof, correction, then instruction. That word for instruction is exactly the same word in Scripture for the training of children. You don't train a child by saying, well, do what you want to do. I'll see you later. No, you train a child by putting parameters. You got to do it like this. Then you got to do it like this. You show them how to make up their bed. You do it for them. Then say, you make up the bed. No, you sh- no, no, not like that. You got to get the wrinkles out. You got to put the sheet on first. Then you put on the blanket. And then you put the top cover on. Don't put the top cover on before you put the sheet on. That's training, right? Huh? And then, and then you know, if you're smart, you teach your children how to dress. No, you don't put your pants on before you put your underwear on. Put your pants on first, you know. Yada, yada. And the same way with learning to eat, cook, clean, wash their own clothes, make their own way, be a responsible person. That's training with teeth. Child training that just lets a child act the way they want to act, do what they want to do, which is what the educational structure says today. Don't try to put a child in your box. Well, we understand personalities, and we understand different types of behaviors based on on, uh, personalities, yes, but there are standards in life that need to be set in every life. Yes or no? So if you're a person, you're letting your child run wild, you're wrong. You don't love your child because love means discipline. And this word here for instruction, it means discipline. And I, hey, I'm going to tell you, if I see you doing something that's going to hurt somebody else, I'm going to come up to you and say, can we, you know, I'm going to say, can we talk? My daddy used to say, Mitch, can we talk? And when he said, can we talk? Then he next thing he'd say, I got a bone to pick with you. I said, oh, Jesus. That usually meant I'm going to get my tail tore up. The rod of correction applied to the seat of learning. So, uh, I forgot what I was saying. What was I saying? If I see somebody doing something, I knew what I was going to say. I'll say I need to talk to you because if it's affecting somebody else, it'll hurt, it'll hurt them and somebody else. I, I, I'm respond- If I don't do that, then I don't love them. Right? That's my role as a pastor. I'm not here to be your friend. Although I'm friendly, I'm here to help you and guide you, Spirit. I'm shepherd. Now, I laugh and joke and cut up. I like to eat hamburgers and pizza just like you sometimes, not a whole lot. But my main job is to be a shepherd. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. Question, do you allow those things in your life? Most people today have itching ears in America. They'll go where they're comfortable. Most people go to a church because their friends are there. 
Or, you know, I found out the hard way, a lot of people in a small community gave to go to that church because grandma's in the graveyard. And they got a plot too if they'll just stick around for a while. <laughs> so let me end with this. I've gone long enough and I'm going to let y'all go home. Y'all good? Can I read one thing? Here's 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. I charge you in the presence of God. I just read it when we, when we ministered to Matt. In the presence of God who is to judge the living and the dead by in light of his coming kingdom. Herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by, be at hand and ready whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable. Whether it's convenient or inconvenient. Whether it's welcome or unwelcome. You as a preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong. See, that's reproof. And convince them, rebuking, correcting, warning, urging, encouraging them, being unflagging and inexhaustible in patience and teaching. For the time is coming where people will not tolerate or endure sound and wholesome instruction. Now, here we are today, right? But having itching ears for something pleasing and gratifying, they will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors that they hold and they will turn aside from hearing truth and wander into myths and man-made fictions. Wow, that's today. And sadly, friends, that's today in America. And I think God's seeking to bring correction. And he's, he's messing with pastors, church leaders, messing with churches. There are going to be some churches that, and you know, if you're not willing to obey God today, that church may fold up. So I just want to encourage you. We're living in an unusual day. Put God's word first. Put the Holy Spirit second in your life and, and ask God for his best for you. And be, we'd be willing to be a sheep that's willing to be led and hear his voice. How many hear me? You get something out of that?